Hey folks, just wanted to give you a quick heads up and just let you know that um, this interview today, we actually conducted quite a few months ago, um, but we feel like it's a really good time to release it. Uh, this is a, a dear friend of mine, uh, guy, Pastor uh, Sam Raleigh, um, and he is <clears throat> out in Minnesota. And uh, he, during the pandemic, he led his church into a brand new way of doing church, a new structure, uh, new ideology. And, and it's, I'm just so proud of him and what he's done in terms of a season when many of us have just felt the pressure of it. Sam kind of felt God's leaning and ran towards this new structure of house, church, and gathering, which is similar to the structure that um, the church that I pastor um, looks like. And yeah, just wanted to just make a quick note. If you pastor a church that has house churches where you sort of have an every other week gathering, could you just hit the pause button and send me uh, just a really quick email, uh, Doug, Doug at kairospartnerships.org. Um, I'm trying to get a list of pastors. And, and if you're someone who has a friend who is a pastor who does this, this every other week rhythm or this house church and gathering rhythm, um, please share this with them and, and encourage them to send me an email. We're just trying to find more conversation partners that are trying to do church in a different way, um, just so that we can make sure that we're not crazy and maybe learn from one another. So thank you. And we hope you enjoy this interview with Sam Rowley. Hey, Sam, welcome. Uh, we're so excited to have you as our guest on the Monday Morning Pastor podcast. I know uh, I know Doug knows you pretty well and has known you for a few years. I have not had the pleasure. So I'm wondering, just from, for me and for our listeners, if you could tell us a little bit about, uh, clearly from your accent, you're not from these parts. So how did you, how did you come to the States? Uh, where did you land? How did you get to be where you are now. Yeah. Tell us just a little bit about that story. Yeah, sure. So I arrived in the U S in uh, 2012. So I, I met my wife in Wales um, at a Bible college in Wales many way before that in 2007. And, um, we, yeah, we were friends for a long time, and and then eventually, a few years later, once we had finished with Bible College, we got together. We did the whole um, long distance thing, being four thousand miles apart, isn't ideal, and so <laughs> that's really to, long distance. Yeah, a very long way. So we saw each other every few months at best, and. Um, did a lot of back then, a lot of Skype um, calls, and kind of had to make a decision to either uh, for her to come to the UK or for me to come to the US, and many different reasons, but it seemed the best uh, option for me to come to the US. So, November 2012, I arrived in Michigan. That's where my wife Sarah's from. She was uh, at Michigan State University studying elementary education. We were there for a couple of years and just had this sense of calling for church leadership, but not quite sure what that looked like or where to go or what to do. And then in 2014, once Sarah had graduated, we had an opportunity to come and help 
lead the church here in Minnesota. And we said yes. We came out here to Minnesota and we arrived in Minnesota in 20, summer of 2014, and we've been here ever since. Hmm. Tell us a little bit about the, the church that you are pastoring. Did, was this a church that you planted, or did you come into leadership at it? Yes, yeah, so the church started in 2009, and so it, before we had arrived, it's been active for about five years, and I think it was just a recognition to bring in some younger leaders to be a strength. The, the founding pastor, he was working full-time in a business, and so wasn't able to give his the time and energy that the church was requiring as it had mm. uh, five years into its um, life. And so, yeah, that was a big part of it. So I um, arrived here yeah, five years in and, and just came as an associate pastor. And then by 2016, stepped into the senior leadership role. I've been on that journey since. What was it like stepping into an already established church plant? I mean, I, that, that, that happened to me as well. You know, I, I sort of came into a few years into a church plant. What, what was that like for you, Sam? I mean, it was good. I mean, the, the community were very welcoming and very uh, friendly and excited for me to be, uh, my wife and I to arrive and be part of the community. Um, I think it was a, a lot of, the time was spent just uh, getting to know people and building relationships, trying to understand the the area that we find ourselves in, the community, um, and trying to yeah just build that relational connection and serve people, and so just a lot of learning. And um, but it was a church that was part of a family of churches that. I've been a part of since I was born. So in what they, I had already had existing relationships here at the church. It wasn't like I was meeting the brand new people. Of course, there would have been people I've never met before, but um, I knew the founding pastors really well. I'd actually lived with them for uh, six months when I did a, a gap year between the equivalent of high school and college. Uh, but that's a whole other story. So yeah, I, w- I I knew people had relationships with each other, <laughs> so that did help. Yeah, it wasn't like I was just kind of walking into a completely brand new situation. Yeah, so it's interesting because you were, you know, you it's it's a familiar structure, familiar space, but you enter into it and you take on the role of of a lead pastor. And you know, a lot of us during the pandemic really worked on surviving and trying to figure out like how we make some changes and and you really sense that the spirit was calling your church to some pretty radical shift uh during that time period can you share a little bit of that and and what that journey has been like yeah so that journey you know has been a number of years now i think even before covid there was just a a sense of um stirring by the Holy Spirit. Um, we were asking some questions. I, we'd kind of come to a place where we recognized 
we needed to do something different. You know, some of the questions we were wrestling with was, are we making disciples? Are we truly making disciples that look and sound like Jesus? Are we really building authentic, real, deep community? And are we helping the disciples we're forming to truly participate in the mission of Jesus? And we kind of landed, even before COVID, like the way we do things, we need to change. We don't know what that looks like, and we don't know when, but we're sensing something. And then COVID came, and that was just a game changer, and it wasn't a case of um, if we should change. It was uh, when do we change, and even it wasn't, and the when was now's the time. Um, you know, even in the midst of all the change and the chaos that unfolded we it was just a recognition that jesus is leading us in a new direction leading us on a, a new path and we're trying to play catch up and that was the language i use now looking back over those few years but uh, yeah that was that was kind of a sense of mm. jesus wants to take us on a different journey mm. Sam, how, I mean, how do you lead a community that has functioned in one way for its entire life into a whole new way of functioning? How did you do that? <laughs> By the grace of God. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, really. I mean, like, um, I, I think, looking, looking back, I think some of the key things was the deep relationships that had been formed over the years of journeying together, uh, the trust that had been formed over the years. You know, when, when change comes, when times are hard, you really know, like, where your relationship's at, how much you really trust one another. And, you know, I, so I think it came from a lot of conversations praying together, sitting together, wrestling together, taking time to speak the voice of God together. And in relationship, it was relationship, relationship, relationship. And we went slow, you know, not trying to force things too quickly, recognizing the moment we're in, everything, our whole world is completely changing. And you want saying we've got to change the way we do things in church you're kidding me it was, uh, but yeah just getting the right pace and really having that relationship and doing it together I think and, be, and then just being courageous I mean um, having a deep conviction from Jesus like he's leading us in this way I think that was a key part and I think I think what's interesting too, and and so tell yeah tell our listeners about the shift. Like you you sort of were running on a sort of a traditional every Sunday gathering model, and and tell us what what you guys kind of landed on, and, and and how that's been yeah, and and just what that is, and and what that's been like. Yeah, yeah. So we for most of the life of the church, we had been 
you know, very much a, uh, I would say like a centralized church where a lot of the life of the church is centered on the Sunday morning gathering. And I think as we, particularly COVID, it was just a real COVID exposed our weaknesses for sure. And just recognize that if you COVID comes, if you take away your access to a building, and if you take away your access to a Sunday morning gathering, what's left? Mm. You know, are we are we making disciples? Are we building authentic community? Are we participating in the mission of Jesus? Or does things just come to a stop? And I think in that moment it was a recognition that we had put too many of too much of our resources, time, energy, focus on the gathering and the Sunday morning in a building. I, so I think that was a key component. I think and some other dynamics also, which were unique to us, was our specific church situation, um, how we, where people were located and traveling in from a distance to, to a central location that may be disconnected from their neighborhood and disconnected from the spheres of influence in which they operated most of their life. Also recognizing just our financial situation, needing to embrace a, a way of church that was more flexible, more adaptable, and didn't require huge amounts of time, energy, money to keep afloat. And then I think um, another key component was just recognizing the culture that we live and what does it mean to be the church in a post-Christian world or an increasingly post-Christian world? What does it mean for the church to operate in the margins? What does it mean to reach the, the unchurched, the church, rather than trying to run an attractional model how do we, we use phrases like, how do we take the church that Jesus loves close to the people that Jesus loves? And so throw that all into a pot and um, through like study and listening and reaching out to others and prayer, we kind of, it God just gave me this conviction of um, a model of church, which would be both and gathering and scattering um, and we kind of use the language of big church small church so how could we still have the corporate worship the corporate gathering corporate communion preaching of the word but also how can we be more mission missional communities mission focused how can we get outside of our building outside of four walls and to enter spaces and spheres that people who don't know Jesus are operating in. So that's kind of where we landed. So adopting this rhythm of life of big church one Sunday and then small church meeting in small churches. We kind of use the gather scattered language, but I don't think that went down well in COVID. No one wanted to be scattered. Um, so we changed some of the, the words. and But really it was kind of this idea of big church and small church and, and changing 
the rhythm and the life of the church in order to make disciples, build community and participate in Jesus' mission. So as you think back to the way it used to be and how it is now, what what have you been glad to leave behind in terms of how your community used to, you know, do church? And then what have you missed? What's what's a, a little more bittersweet? Yeah, I I think one thing, you know, we we by no means perfected this. You know, so we're on a I feel like we've taken two steps in a hundred step journey and so we're learning all the time and changing and adapting sure one thing that we've had to adjust to is um the less frequent connection with the gathered community and so you live in a rhythm where you know you may not be coming to a church gathering or church service every single week but you're seeing people on a pretty regular basis. I think that's been something that we've had to adapt to and learn is actually seeing people less and being more, and as a result of being more intentional and uh, trying to gather in smaller communities in order to participate in the, in the mission of Jesus. And so we, that's conversations we've been um, having is how do we still keep our connectedness? How do we keep, Still keep a sense of family, even when we see each other less. I mean, it challenges some of our concepts and understandings. Like, if our relationships are built around a program, a service, or a organized gathering, mm-hmm. then something's wrong. Um, if if our relationships fall down to just what happens on a Sunday morning, then something is it truly authentic community? Um, so that's that's been one um I think you know another challenge has been just how do we really serve our children well and how do we incorporate them into the life of the church and every other week they're not having a typical sunday Sunday school experience. What does it look like to see our children and our youth as very much part of our small churches, valued, highly important individuals in the in the small church. How do we serve them well? How do they participate? How do we, how do we create space for them? I think that caused us to have to be more creative and to reimagine what it means to be family. Some of the things that I don't miss, I mean, I can speak, <laughs> you know, I'm sure everyone in our church will have a different perspective. I know personally, it's uh, everything's not centered on me. And that's kind of refreshing. And mm. the life of the church doesn't depend on me. And for me to try and take more of a, a posture of, rather than being a mother, who it is the life of our church is dependent on what I can birth. How do I be a midwife to help other others birth? 
And so mm. it's really brought a lot of life to our community. You kind of have the, the, the philosophy of um, everyone has a role, everyone's to participate. It's like a potluck, everyone brings something to see others carry responsibility. And it's cool because we get to reach people that I wouldn't reach. Or we get to enter spheres of influence mm. that I wouldn't ever be invited into. And our community looks and feels different mm. and we reach in a di greater diversity of people, whether it's a small church up in the Twin Cities, an urban environment, whether it's in the suburbs. It's that's been really cool to see people's imagination increase, creativity increase, yeah. responsibility. And this idea of being formed, formation on mission, being formed into the image of Jesus as we participate in the mission of Jesus. I, I love that, that picture of moving from being the mother who is birthing everything good in the community to being the midwife who is helping those things uh, come into being. I, give us an idea. I mean, just practically speaking, what does a spiritual midwifery look like? Like how, how do you as a pastor do that? Yeah, that's you know, definitely something that I'm learning each step of the way. I think it's, for me and for us, it, it's looked like um, less control for me, giving away power, giving away responsibility, not trying to take control of every little thing, which mm -hmm. can be it's tough as a pastor because um, when you don't have as much control as you used to, things look different to how you expect or maybe how you want. And um, it could create problems. It could create incredible uh, new life. And so a lot of uh, coaching, mentoring, listening, hearing people, discovering passions, discovering rather than me hearing Jesus' voice for people, what is Jesus speaking to you? What is he requiring of you? Where is he leading you? with your unique personality, your unique uh, skills and gifting, and your unique sphere of influence. Uh, if we try to run a centralized model and run everything through me, it's going to be pretty one-dimensional, and we can't do everything, so we'll just have to pick and choose. And we kind of use the language of, you know, like an ecosystem. You know, what makes a healthy ecosystem is biodiversity. And we want to see um, us, all of our, those who are part of our church family to uniquely hear the call and voice of Jesus and what he's asking them. So, yeah, times around the dinner, dinner table, times at the coffee shop, listening, talking, praying, journeying together, taking risks together. I think that's kind of what it looks like. I I know that this has been a, a hard season and a um I, I I like the way that you said it that COVID really uh uncovered a lot of what was 
kind of maybe beneath the surface in your church and brought to light some of the things that needed to change. I, I wonder, what would you say to the pastor who is beginning to sense or maybe just already knows that things need to change in the context of their church? What what challenge or encouragement would you give to them? You know, I think from my story and me connecting with pastors on a similar journey, you know, first thing I would say is uh, be attentive to that voice. Be attentive to that stirring, that dissatisfaction. Don't dismiss it. Uh, lean into it because it could well be the Holy Spirit. And, you know, I would, a big part for me has been to draw close to those who are sensing a similar dissatisfaction or yearning or desire for change. Draw Draw close to people, draw close to people you trust who are wise. Look for others who are on similar journeys. Connect, make new friends, more more friends, not less. But in all of it, you know, key component is cling to Jesus, draw close to Jesus through prayer and worship and the word, really trying to anchor yourself, center yourself. And discerning that you know the voice of jesus as opposed to many other voices that can look similar so i think the who was key for us and looking back on our journey you know there was a sense of like we get a glimpse of what lies ahead and what we could do but i trust jesus that you know, there's many things that we could do. There's many rhythms we could uh, step into and experiment and explore. The what wasn't mm. as important for us, particularly my wife and I, then the who. who. Who's coming on this journey? Who's in faith for this? Who's, who's sensing the same desire mm. and drawing close to them and just really kind of being in that posture of, listening, praying, exploring, imagining. Uh, Sam, our listeners probably can't tell because they can't uh, see the video that we're sharing. They they don't know that Doug has stepped away from the microphone for a few minutes as he had uh, something to do with his his family. Uh, so that's this is my chance to ask someone who's known Doug for many years, what's something that you know about Doug that our listeners would be delighted to also know? That they don't, they they probably don't know about him. What can you? Uh, what secrets can you spill? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Doug. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Doug's been. I've. He's been a real lifeline to me, and we've. I've been meeting with Doug over Zoom um, between. Pennsylvania and Minnesota for a couple of years, at least two years now. At one point, we were meeting every other week and then kind of slowly into uh, once a month. But he's just been a huge um, support to me and encouragement to me. And 
the church that Doug leads runs a very similar uh, rhythm and model of church that we have also stepped into. And so he's just been a uh, a coach and someone who has just been a incredible support and really given wisdom and insight. I've been using him as a soundboard every single step of the way. And how do we do this? How do we do that? What would happen here? We've got this problem. We've got this problem. Um, so, yeah, I don't know how we would have landed here without Doug being part of this journey, to be honest. Sam, you are such a gentleman. I gave you a chance there. to. Re- I teed it up for you to really <laughs> tell us something funny, something embarrassing about Doug. And you you painted a beautiful picture of him. I, I agree. He is... He is a great guy and a good guy to have as a coach. I'll just mention something since he's not here. I don't think many people know that Doug really likes Bigfoot stuff. Like he's into Sasquatch. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. Shirts and, (laughs) and, uh, hats and books and things. It's like, yeah, it's like a hobby for him. I don't know if you knew that, but, uh, yeah, (laughs) no, I didn't. You probably have a lot more stories than me um <laughs> a lot of my interactions being more like how do we navigate this crazy road jesus taking us yeah off? yeah well hey sam i just want to thank you for being on the monday morning pastor podcast and sharing just a little bit of your journey and how god has brought you along it's good to hear stories of god's faithfulness in the midst of change and in the midst of our leading communities into change. Uh, I think sometimes that can be a very lonely place for a lot of ministry leaders. And thank you for your, your testimony to the faithfulness of God and the presence of God through all that. One of the things that we've been asking uh, is just if, if those that we have on would just kind of leave us, leave our our listeners with a benediction. I wonder if you'd be comfortable doing that. Just kind of a, a blessing for pastors on a Monday morning. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, for sure. So, Lord, I just thank you that you are king, that you are Lord, that you're you're the head of the church, that you still have a plan and a purpose, despite all the challenges that we've experienced in this world, that you are alive and your kingdom is advancing and your story is unfolding. I just pray for those who are listening right now. God, would you fill them afresh with your Holy Spirit? I pray, God, that you would give them peace. God, they would know your love and your closeness. And Lord, I just pray that you just start to spark imagination, spark creativity. God, that they would start to believe that you can use them in ways they've never seen before. But I pray just for courage, just this deep courage, the faith that only your spirit can bring. Lord, we just pray just a mighty blessing in the name of Jesus.